What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. It's Wednesday at noon, and I am here to talk to you about college and NFL football for the next hour on Weagle 91.1 FM. Let's not waste any time and get on with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. It is a empty studio today. For once, I am not joined by Harrison Tarr or Jake Gonzalez or even Daniel Locke. So, my voice is going to be fried after today's show. But, if you're listening to Weagle, make sure you stay tuned uh, at 5 o'clock all the way to 5 o'clock tomorrow, this evening, or tomorrow evening, for Weagle Day. It'll be a 24-hour show going on there. But just to get started with football, uh, biggest college football news that's been going around has been the D. Davis uh, commitment to Alabama State. D. Davis was a four-star ESPN Top 300 recruit that came to Auburn under the Gus Malzahn coaching staff, where whenever Harson came in, everyone thought he'd be the first one out. He stayed for a year. Didn't get a single bit of playing time before he eventually announced he will be entering the transfer portal. And I think it was earlier this week, definitely. Uh, I think it was on Monday-ish. He finally decided that he was going to be transferring to Alabama State University in Montgomery, Alabama. And honestly, I was a little shocked by this. And by a little mean, I was a lot of bit shocked by this. Uh... He had a lot of D1 looks. I thought my best guess would have been he was going to go back to Virginia Tech where he was originally committed before he uh, came to Auburn. But I, I can understand the move. Uh, HBCUs are are making their way up in popularity. And, you know, best thing to do for your career is to just go to a school. You're a big-name athlete. You go to a smaller school. doesn't get a lot of, like, thought, really. And you go, you build a brand at that school. And, you know, hopefully he balls out and helps him gain a career in the NFL uh, in his future. Because he has, at this moment, he would have four years of eligibility with the red shirt from last year. And, I mean, I would assume there's no, like, second thought that he will be the starter come this August. And today's news, a new two new rules have been uh, implemented in today's uh, football or this upcoming year, one of them being the Kenny Pickett rule, and I forgot what game he did this against, but uh, it's he did when he did a fake slide, he was going down, and his foot got stuck or something, and he got back up and ran it in for a touchdown. They have now said that under the Kenny Pickett rule, that if a ball carrier ball carrier simulates a feet first slide, officials will declare the runner down at that spot. So no longer will you be able to fake slide. Or anything to where it seems like you're going to fake calling the ball dead or whatever. Because, I mean, it was cool when it happened, but this should have been a rule already in place. Because if uh, that defender had a better angle, Kenny Pickett might have gotten rocked on that play instead of, you know, scoring a 50-yard touchdown run. Uh, Another rule, the NCAA playing rules oversight panel approved football measures intended to strengthen the accuracy of the targeting rule, limit blocking below the waist, and address teams that appear to be fake injuries to gain an advantage. And I can't possibly imagine where the whole fake injuries to gain an advantage would come from, Ole Miss, where uh, if anyone saw the Ole Miss-Tennessee game, you know how bad Ole Miss was doing this. I, I know a lot of teams do it. A lot of teams fake injuries. I've seen Auburn do it. They did it in 2013 versus Arkansas, where it just the linebacker looked over at Gus. Gus said, "Go down." He falls down, and former coach Brett Bulema was not having it. But now, after the Ole Miss game, where Tennessee tore up Twitter about the amount of fake injuries that they had, where they were just using his free timeouts, they would just tell a player to drop all the time. I, if you were to count it, I feel like it'd be up in the double digits at least and from that game. And, I mean, that game also turned into one of the more – can I say fun game to watch with the 40-minute delay? 
this is the if anyone who lived under a rock during the last during the last uh, football season, they know that this is the game where trash was thrown on the field, anything from uh, cans to water bottles to golf balls, which was thrown directly at Lane Kiffin. Uh, this is definitely, and I saw a stat about that game as well that it was over forty-seven thousand alcoholic beverages sold, with over five hundred and forty thousand dollars in revenue made from those drinks. And I believe there was fifty-eight ejections plus the entire student section plus eighteen arrests was what I read from fan cited, which that was a fun game to watch, must say, and the commentators were loving it. Uh, but I mean, again, uh, to add on to the, like the whole like rule thing, uh, intended to strengthen the accuracy of the targeting rule. So it looks like they're going to try to actually have a set in stone rule for what is targeting and what calls for the penalty to be called on the player. Because uh, we've seen this throughout the entirety of this being like a rule that the refs don't ever call the same play targeting that they call one play. Like, uh... A lot of people would say if you leave the head or neck area at all, it's targeting. If you hit them in the head or neck area, it's targeting. But some of these players are just like, they're leading with their shoulder and their head like just falls through and hits the player as well, so they call it targeting. A lot of these plays that they call targeting, I would not consider targeting. And I mean, that might just be a little old head in me, but I mean, some of these these players are learning, they're practicing how to avoid these kind of hits. And... I mean, a lot of the times they're not doing it's not intentional. It's not intentional at all. And a lot of these times the offensive players are the ones leading are leading with their heads, but it's the defensive player's fault whenever he makes the tackle and hits him in the head. So I don't I don't know exactly what kind of insight they're going to have on these targeting rules or like what improvements they're going to make. But I mean this has been needed for a long time, and I'm not too uh, up to speed on the limited blocking behind, below the waist, but, I mean, the get rid of the chop blocks. I mean, as someone who played defensive linemen throughout my high school career, chop blocks are the absolute worst to go up against because you just have this big – often the linemen are usually bigger than the D linemen, and you have this guy who's got 100 pounds on you diving at your knees to try to knock you out of the play. It does not feel good. And you'd think, it, you'd think it'd be like landing on a pillow. But no, because they, they just fall right on you, aim for the knees, knock you over, and you eat dirt. Or turf, whichever one. Uh, get rid of turf, by the way. But yeah, new rules into play. This will be starting this upcoming season. And there will be more info, well, I would assume, later on about what exactly they're going to be improving with the targeting rule and the fake injuries. Cause I, I would assume the fake injuries are going to be something that's going to be like a red challenge flag type thing that they're going to be looking at either the coaches and the player to see if they make some kind of eye contact or motion. And I would assume it's going to be some kind of unsportsmanlike conduct call. So automatic first down, and honestly, and if they see it happen again, the player gets ejected. Which would be smart. I think that's a great idea, especially because, you know, the whole goal of the incident right now is to make every football game quicker than it is. So this is why the overtime is different than uh, – so the seven-overtime game, A&M and LSU, was a great game to watch unless you were an NCAA official because they see that as you're taking up too much time. If a game goes over four, if a game goes over three and a half hours, NCAA is not happy because that's longer time to go to their next broadcast or whatever. They're losing money by going longer. So they do is they shorten overtime that way games don't last as long instead of, you know, like limiting commercials. Uh, But so now we live in this time where they're just trying to shorten games as quickly as possible. So overtimes has changed and all these other things have changed. And I'm starting to lose my train of thought. But you have these players who are just like causing timeouts. So there's this new you got to go back to commercial if a player falls over. So you, that's a minute. And these kind of add up. I mean, if you count the the ones for uh, Ole Miss, Tennessee, that was 10 minutes of game time that missed out on because they were having these extra timeouts. So, I mean, 
I'm all for limiting the fake injuries because it's okay. I know it's not like it's frowned upon to do it like once, but once you're just constantly doing it just to get like a free timeout and you've already, I think at some point Ole Miss had, has still had three timeouts. They just weren't wanting to use them because they want to use them later on in the game. It's weird that they were just able to just constantly do this and there was no repercussions for when it actually happened, especially because a lot of a lot of times Tennessee had the had the momentum going and all of a sudden down goes an Ole Miss player. It happened again. Down goes an Ole Miss player. It just constantly happened. It's like they would just fall over. Like not that many players. If if your players get a cramp that much in a game, something needs to be looked at inside your organization because you're not giving those players enough hydration breaks or whatever. You're not giving them enough water breaks or anything. But yeah. Uh, hopefully some there'll be some info about the targeting rule though, going back to that. Cause that is one of the biggest discrepancies I have at college football nowadays is the fact that the targeting rule is so wishy washy on what exactly gets called there. And of course the Kenny Pickett rule, which I think it's really cool that he he's gonna have a rule named after him now. Especially because, you know, that play was Again, play was really cool. But we're actually going to be a little early on this PSA break. When we come back, I'm going to start my previewing the SEC uh, with Ole Miss, Missouri, and South Carolina on deck. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the second block of Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Now, for the third. This is third, right? Third or fourth? I want to say, so the first week was Alabama, Arkansas. second week was... Auburn, Georgia, Florida. All right, so this is the fourth week of it then where I'm going to be looking at Ole Miss first and then Missouri and then the South Carolina Gamecocks. Starting off with Ole Miss, this team has been killing it in the transfer portal, picking up players like Jackson Dart, Zach Evans from TCU, and a few other players. I'm trying to remember a few of them. I know J.J. Pegues. You might know him as Tilt from... What Gary Danielson said, uh, he was a former de- a former tight end at Auburn turned defensive lineman. He is now transferred to Oxford to play defensive lineman. But this is a team that is losing a lot of production on the defensive side of the ball and offensive side of the ball. They are losing, going from defense first, they're losing Chance Campbell, who is our leading tackler, and a big reason this defense was able to improve so much from the 2020 to the 2021 season. Uh, Sam Williams, another big pickup over the uh, transfer portal, who led the team in sacks. I think he was in the top 10 in sacks in the SEC. Uh, another big name would be Jalen Jones, a transfer from, I want to say, Kentucky. I'm not sure. I, know why. I hate that I'm blanking on that because that's something I should know. But, yeah, I'll I'll look at it some other time. Often decide the balls when this team is really losing a lot of production, though. Start off with wide receiver core. Braylon Sanders and Dontario Drummond are both gone. And those are some big names that are gone. This is the two people that led the team in receiving. Uh, quarter or Running back-wise, Snoop Connor and Jerion Eadley, the both of those dual-threat running backs are gone. And, of course, Matt Corral has entered his name into the NFL draft. And he is projected to be one of the first, at least in the top three quarterbacks taken in this uh, draft coming up in exactly one week, ladies and gentlemen. One week until the 2022 NFL Draft, and it is when your boy the tank over here turns 22. So just look at this season, uh, season game by game for Ole Miss. They start the season on September 3rd, like everyone else, against the Troy Trojans in Oxford. Uh, interesting matchup, but I think... The easy one to go with here is Ole Miss. I don't think Troy is going to be pulling off any big upsets like they did in 2018 versus LSU. So give me the Ole Miss Rebels here. Starting off 1-0 as they take on the Central Arkansas Bears. I believe that is an FCS team in Week 2. And again, 2-0. Then Week 3, they travel to Tar's hometown Atlanta. Take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And keep it going with the wins. Get that W for Ole Miss. Week four, got the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes traveling to Oxford, where I got them going 4-0 now. Ole Miss is at 4-0 with four uh, out-of-conference wins. Then they start their home 
uh, with their homecoming game being their first SEC game against the Kentucky Wildcats. And it'll be I think this will be a tough game, or a close game at least, but I'm going to give it to Ole Miss here just because I think that their acquisitions are just so much better than what Kentucky's brought in thus far. Uh, after that, so that would be 6-0 and going into their next away game, which is in Nashville, Tennessee, versus the Vanderbilt Commodores. Yeah, I don't even need to talk about Vanderbilt in this game because, oh boy, Vanderbilt. So what, that is now 7-0, and right? 7-0, and 6-0 actually, got it wrong. Got to get my head. 7-0 and going into their game against the Auburn Tigers, and we talked about this a few two weeks ago where I don't have not real high on Auburn and I don't see us pulling up any kind of major upset there with Ole Miss. So give me the Rebels against Auburn. That goes us to seven and zero. Then they travel to Baton Rouge to take on the LSU Tigers. I'm gonna keep it going with the Ole Miss here. I think they're gonna go eight and zero going into their next away game at College Station against the Texas A&M Aggies. This is gonna be one of the th- they have a tough three-game stretch here, but this is the first of it. I'm actually tempted to go with Ole Miss here. I think Ole Miss is going to be 9-0 going into their bye week. I think that they're just a slightly better team than A&M. I trust Lane Kiffin to lead his team to victory here instead of Jimbo Fisher. I think the quarterback position is where this is going to set itself apart. Jackson Dart is better than... To remember who they even started, if they're starting Max Johnson at quarterback or if they're going to start Haynes King. I'm going to take Jackson Dart here. And plus, I think the offensive production speaks for itself. Uh, without Isaiah Spiller and a few other guys on the AM offense, I don't, I'm not real trustworthy of it to just pick up where it left off. I know that AM has some like weapons at the running back position, but it's hard for me to pick anyone but Ole Miss here. So let's see, that is 9-0 going into their bye week where they will spend an extra week preparing for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And this is where I think it's going to be their first hiccup. They're going to be 9-1 and after taking on Alabama. This will be a fun game to watch, I hope. Uh, this is going to be an offensive matchup. Uh, I think the dif- difference maker here is the fact that Alabama is returning a lot of their great defensive players. And I think that's what's going to set it apart. I think this is going to be their first loss, but I think they're still – probably be in the top 10 by this point. And I think they'll stay there. Uh, then they travel to Fayetteville, take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. This is going to be another tough one. I could see this game going either way. And as much as I love Arkansas, and I love Ole Miss too, so this game is a hard one for me. Ooh, I think I'm going to go with the Razorbacks here, I think they're going to be a second hiccup going in. Uh, I think Arkansas is just a really good team. And I think they have the slight edge with the quarterback position here. So that is and 9-2 going into the Egg Bowl, which is in Oxford versus Mississippi State Bulldogs. And you know what? I got Ole Miss in this one. I, I think Mississippi State is uh, on par with Auburn this year in terms of how bad they're going to be. And I got to go with the hot hand, which would be Ole Miss getting their win after back-to-back losses, which gives them a 10-2 and record to finish out the season. And they would get a bowl. They'd get a nice – they'd get a pretty good bowl game out of that too. That would be a great bowl game. So, yeah, 10-2 and for the Ole Miss Rebels per me. Now, let's see how long we can talk about the Missouri Tigers are up next. And – you know, I'm not too sure how well this team is going to be or do because they are losing their best defensive player and their best offensive player. And then everyone else is just kind of like, eh. And they have a great punter or kicker in uh, Harrison Melvis. That's great. That, mean, that means something. But they're losing Blaze Aldridge, who was one of their better one of their best players on that defense who was able to get tackles uh, uh, for loss a lot and force turnovers. Running back, they're losing Tyler Beatty, or Batty, who, if you didn't know, led the SEC in rushing yards last year. 
But looking at this roster, there's not a lot of big names. You're going to be looking toward Nathaniel Pete to kind of uh, pick up where Beatty left off. But I don't know how well. That's a tough act to follow. you got a guy who led the league in rushing yards. Now you're going to be looking to someone else to try to see if you can rekindle any kind of magic that, that happened last year with him. Quarterback Brady Cook. I'm not so high on Brady Cook. I ranked him as my 13th quarterback in the SEC. I'm not so high on this. I think Eli Drinkwitz is a good coach. I just don't know if he's a correct coach to turn around what is one of the worst teams in the SEC. I don't want to say worst, but they're not. They're definitely not one of the best. Defensively, no one real big that I think uh, needs to be highlighted as well. Uh, be looking at some of their players who are like ba- uh, Chad Bailey, who is replacing Blaze Aldridge in the depth chart. He's going to be someone to keep your eye on because I mean you're going to be looking for someone who can properly uh, replace your best player from last year. So they go game by game for them, starting off. On September 1st, oh, they get a Thursday night game versus the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. I think Missouri wins this game. I uh, I mean, I'm not – this is one of those games I think they're going to out-talent their way into it. Uh, so, I got to – it might be a tough game, but it'll, I think it'll be a win. Uh, then they travel to Manhattan, Kansas, to take on the Kansas State Wildcats in the Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And it's going to be another tough game, I feel like, for both teams. Uh, this is a your middle-of-the-pack middle uh, Big 12 team versus your lower-of-the-pack uh, Missouri Tigers. Excuse me. And um, I'm going to go with Kansas State here. I think the big difference maker here is the fact that it is at Kansas State. So I got them 1-1 one and one to start off the season. Then they take on the Abilene Christian Wildcats, where I'm just going to say that's a win. So 2-1. and one. Then they travel to Jordan here. Stadium take on the Auburn Tigers. I think I'm going to have to take Auburn here. The fact that it's in Jordan Hare makes a load of difference. If it was in uh, Columbus, Missouri, I'd probably be swayed to pick Missouri in this game. Speaking of Columbus, Missouri, after they lose to Auburn, they got to play the Georgia Bulldogs where I'm not even going to spend a second to talk about that game. Well, I'm going to be picking the Georgia Bulldogs. Then they travel to Gainesville, Florida, to take on the Florida Gators, where I'm going to say there's another loss. That is three SEC losses in a row for their bye week versus the Vanderbilt Commodores, where they will pick up a win here. With that, that makes them... Three and three going into their game versus the South Carolina Gamecocks in Columbia, South Carolina. With that, I th- I'm higher on South Carolina and their second year coach than I am with and Shane Beamer than I am with Eli Drinkwitz. So I'm going to give it South Carolina here because I think that South Carolina has found a guy in Shane Beamer who I, I don't know how he was he was just hidden in that coaching staff at Oklahoma as a tight ends coach. He is – I don't want to jinx anything, but he he got his father's genes. He knows how to coach a football team. And he's turned that program around real quick. Uh, they actually I almost sold out their stadium for their spring game because this team – this these fans are just pumped and hyped up for this season. You, know, you look around, you got – I know I'm talking about South Carolina here, but I'm talking about Missouri. But, you know, I'll go into that next block when I do my South Carolina one. Then they take on the Kentucky Wildcats. South Carolina, or Missouri takes on Kentucky Wildcats after losing South Carolina, where they will lose to the Wildcats. So that is, what, three and five? Then they travel to Knoxville, Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Volunteers as another loss for the Missouri Tigers. Then they travel back home, take on the New Mexico State Aggies, where New Mexico State was one of the worst teams in college football last year. So Missouri picks up an Easy win here. Then, the battle line rivalry. Arkansas versus Missouri. This is in Missouri. And no matter where it is, I'll be going with Arkansas here. So try to run it up here. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven losses. 
eight losses. That was the four and eight season for Missouri here from me. Yeah, I mean they picked up a good a five, they picked up that five star recruit at receiver. I'm trying to remember his name, and I hate that I can't remember his name. Uh, but uh, all in all, it's just not that great of a roster compared to the rest of the SEC. And I mean, I don't know if I again, like I said earlier, I don't think that. Eli Drinkwitz is the best coach for Missouri. I think he's a great, he's a good coach, but he's just not what I, th- what I think uh, Missouri need to like turn their program around. Now, wide receiver's name is Luke the Burden, by the way. Uh, he was the number one overall wide receiver, and they got it. They did get some good recruits. They got a lot of four stars, uh, and the one five star in Luke the Burden. They're the seventeenth recruiting class, and I'm just. When I look at this, I'm just like they're not gonna compete in the in the East anytime soon. Uh, with Florida getting Billy Napier, who I think is gonna be a great coach for Florida. Uh, Georgia's still on top. Uh, Kentucky is steadily uh, keeping ten wins year in and year out. And I mean, this recruiting class did look good for Missouri, but I mean, they're ranked above a lot of these teams because they got a five star. Like Missouri's at seventeen with, uh, one five star, and you have after them nineteen Kentucky, who has eleven four stars to Missouri's seven. Florida has ten. Arkansas has ten. Auburn had ten, and South Carolina had seven as well. But I mean, you give South Carolina that you give any of these teams that want that one five star, they shoot up way above Missouri. So I mean, it's not a terrible roster. It's just not the best roster to compete in the East anytime soon. I think they're going to be starting looking towards other coaches, but I don't know anyone that would just take this role right now because you have to rebuild that entire program from where it stands at this very moment. And we're actually going to go to a quick uh, PSA break. When we come back, we are going to preview the South Carolina Gamecocks and then go into a little NFL news. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Angels Football. Uh, this is the second half. Uh, I'm just trying to try, try out this phone line, see if it works. Uh, Tar, is that you? You on the line yet? No, that is not correct then. Let's try this. Tar? I can certainly hear you. There we go. Tar, you are on the air now. <laughs> you might get a little bit of echo. I'm trying not to, but uh, I can't hear you on the phone end but I can definitely still converse because I can hear you through my car radio. So good to be back on Weagle. <laughs> I bet you just could not uh, You turn off the radio. Turn off that radio, man. I could turn off the radio? Turn off the radio. You need me to? I can't hear you otherwise. You can't hear me? I can hear you only through my radio. That is unfortunate. <laughs> it is not ideal, but I will go ahead and put it out there before you do USC so I don't give you a echo the whole time. Uh, give me the Gamecocks to go seven and five. Yeah, Gamecocks going seven and five. Yes. All right. Fair enough. Well, keep listening. If you're about to hang up, I'm assuming you got your graduation. I might picks. try to slide into the studio, so you know, keep it dialed on Weagle ninety one one. Fair enough. Well, thanks for giving you giving me your prediction, Tar. I'll see you in class. See you, buddy. See you, man. All right. Well, that was Harrison Tar. He was going to call. He called in to give his little South Carolina preview because I don't know if you know this about him. If you've listened to my show at all in the past few weeks, he really loves some South Carolina. And you know what? Going looking at his depth chart right now, I don't blame him. Uh, this is a pretty decent roster for a second-year coach. I mean, they had to replace a lot of like big talent and you know Nick Muse at tight end, Kevin Harris, Saquandre White, all, both at running back. Defensively, Jalen Foster, big corner or big safety loss there, and of course the defensive end that is probably going to be one of the first Gamecocks off the board in Kingsley and Eggbear, who I feel like is going to make some team pretty happy one day. Uh, looking at their roster right now, uh, not anyone. Uh, uh, defensively, Jordan Birch is someone we got to look out for. I almost overlooked him. This was a number one overall recruit, I believe. He's at least the number one defensive tackle recruit whenever he chose to go to the Gamecocks. And this is now his year. He is now going to be the starter. It's going to be his show. And I think he's going to show everyone why he was the number one overall tackle in his league. Or 
in his class. Looking at the offensive side of the ball, Josh Van is returning for what I would presume to be his eighth year of eligibility. And, of course, the biggest name on this entire roster is Spencer Rattler. This is a quarterback who was at Oklahoma. Everyone knows who Spencer Rattler is. He committed there from Arizona, was a four-star, I believe, uh, hyped up after the Jalen Hurts era was over with, uh, came in, impressed a little bit, but didn't do as much as you would hope he would. Uh, so he struck. there's some early struggles going on, and then all of a sudden Caleb Williams steps up to the plate, goes off, steals a job from Spencer Rattler where Caleb Williams now, uh, when he took the job, uh, Rattler into the transfer portal, transferred to South Carolina. Caleb Williams also into the transfer portal to go to USC, of course. So this is going to be Rattler's time to shine. I feel like this is the optimal place for him to better his career. He's going to a smaller school. There's less on the line. There's going to be less uh, pressure. You go to Oklahoma, you're expected to be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. You go to South Carolina, they want you to be the best quarterback in the nation, if you can be. But this is also a fan base that is A-OK with going 7-5. and five. They're, and they're going to be ecstatic if they were to go 8-4 and four and above. They're not going to be hammering in on this guy like Oklahoma fans do. They're going to have high hopes for him. They're going to have some kind of stigma with him like, oh, we should have better quarterback play this year because this is a guy who we know can play at the top level. But they're not going to be hating on this guy. They're not going to be like sending him death threats over Twitter like Oklahoma was doing. This is a p- more peaceful location for Rattler, and I think this is actually where he's going to have one of it, probably his best season as a quarterback. I know he had a good season his freshman year or first year starting, and then his second year he didn't play terrible. He just got overlooked by uh, Caleb Williams. But, yeah, this is an optimum place for Spencer Rattler, and I can't wait to see how he performs with this team, especially with he has a veteran receiver in Josh Van, who I believe is, again, like 45 years old. At this very moment, but to go uh, game by game for the South Carolina Gamecocks, you heard it from Tar. They're going seven and five. <clears throat> I would presume. I feel like I know who the losses might be against, but start off Saturday, September third. Yet again, they take on the Georgia State Panthers at home, and I know Georgia State can be a little bit pesky when it comes to these kind of games you kind of want to overlook it but Georgia State is one team that will not be overlooked but with that I'm going to be taking the Gamecocks here 1-0 as they travel to Fayetteville Arkansas to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks it's going to be their first loss of the season so 1-1 going into week 3 where they're going to take on the Georgia Bulldogs and if you heard Georgia's prediction we have them going undefeated so no one's going to touch them in the east one and two going into their week four game against the Charlotte 49ers. A new uh, Geo 5 team, because I believe they are now in the Sun Belt Conference. So they're in the big leagues now, but I still think South Carolina's got to have the edge here. Two and two going into their week five matchup versus the South Carolina State Bulldogs. I'm not too familiar with them. I don't know if they're FCS or what, but nonetheless, three or Two or three, yeah, three and two for the Gamecocks going into their first or second by second away game at Kentucky, where I'm going to have the Kentucky Wildcats here, and I feel like this is one of the wins Tar has given to South Carolina. I feel like he said they're going to upset Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. He can text me if I'm wrong or text me if I'm right. I feel like he's next to the radio right now. All right, so that would be a third loss, 3-3, three and three, with our bye week for the Texas A&M Aggies. It's going to be a fourth loss, I feel like, A&M, though I said Ole Miss is better. South Carolina probably will not put up a lot of points, even though the game is at home. Then, the Missouri Tigers. This is actually South Carolina's homecoming game, where they will get their first SEC win of the season. So that leaves them at... Four and four going into Nashville, Tennessee, take on the Vanderbilt Commodores, where they will get a win. Five and four at Florida. Hmm. Now, this is a tough game. 
I can look at this game going either way. And part of me really likes Florida in this game, but another part of me really likes South Carolina in this game. I'm going to go with South Carolina with the upset over Florida. I don't know what it is. I feel like it might be a quarterback thing, first-year jitters for Billy Napier. But South Carolina, they beat the brakes off of Florida last year. This is basically the same roster Florida has, different coaching. So, I would not be surprised with the upset. I'm going to go with the upset here. And that gets them their third SEC win in a row, giving them a whopping five and four. Going into their game against Tennessee Volunteers, which is in Columbia, South Carolina. This I feel like it's going to be a tough game for uh, Tennessee. Coming off three SEC wins, Tennessee travels to South Carolina, where I will say Tennessee will win this game, but it'll be closer than you might think. I think Tennessee wins this game off of a last like quarter touchdown or field goal to like, squeak away with one. So that makes it five and six as they then travel to Clemson, South Carolina, take on the Clemson Tigers, where, you know, I think again with the Tennessee or Florida one, part of me want, I would love it if South Carolina was to win this game. I want South Carolina to win this game. But do I think they will? I do not. I think Clemson is going to be out for blood. I would love for this to be the end of their dynasty because it would be so funny if Dabo gets screwed over by the fact that he just does not want to tr- uh, recruit from the transfer portal and he hates NIL and he's an old head by heart. But I think that South Carolina season ends with a loss at Clemson, giving them a five and seven record. But I feel like some of these games, I feel like Kentucky could be a back of, could be either way. I feel like they're five and seven, six and six is the where I'd put them. I'm not too sure who Tar has them beating. Uh, he probably has told me, but I forgot. But, yeah, 5-7 and seven for the South Carolina Gamecocks in year two of Shane Beamer, which isn't a bad year, honestly. Looking at some of these games, Tennessee is on is heating up. Arkansas is on that schedule. Kentucky is consistently a 10-win team. Of course, Georgia and A&M. Those are five very tough opponents. And to add Clemson as your biggest rival makes it really hard to get that sixth win anywhere on that schedule. But yeah, those are my la- those are my uh, those are my three SEC previews. My last show as a student next week for the NFL draft. I'm probably going to be running through my uh, three, which will be the Tennessee Volunteers, Texas A&M Aggies, and of course the lovable losers, the Vanderbilt Commodores. To kind of go into some NFL news before we for th- as, oh until our PSA comes up. Free agency is still going on in the NFL. Two big news came up across the week. Stephon Gilmore signs with the Indianapolis Colts on a two-year deal. Harrison Tart is now in the booth, all dappered up from graduation picks. Uh, that is Mike Ford. Soon-to-be graduation picks. Going to get those taken care of here after the 2 p.m. class. Of course, Auburn picks today this week to not be, you know, in the 70s and it's low 80s now, and I'm sweating. So that's yeah. Nice. As you see, I'm not wearing my UTSA crew neck anymore. Oh yeah, way too, way too hot. I for was that. sweating right through it on the way up here. Straight up, not having a good time right now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so you just to go through it a little bit. You said South Carolina seven and five. I said seven and five or eight and four. I just have to look at the schedule again. Uh, so I was running through some of their harder games. So the SEC wise, not counting Missouri or Vanderbilt. Win win. Well, yeah. Florida. Tough one. Is that that's an Gainesville. Columbia. I was in Gainesville. Mm. Okay. Uh, Tennessee. All right. Loss, loss. Well, Georgia. Loss. Arkansas. Loss. A&M. Loss. And I'm trying to remember the last one. I know they have UK at home. UK was the last one. I have UK winning that game, which there's your five losses, seven wins. All right. And then Clemson. You have them beating Clemson, I presume, then. I, I do have them beating Clemson this year. Um, that game's in Death Valley, which is tougher. Uh, it, it could be a six and six year again for the Gamecocks, and that wouldn't be a failure. But at the same time, I mean, I question Clemson's depth. And by week 12, if you're a little banged up, or week 13 rather, excuse me, because of the bye week, 
I don't know, man. It's it's a toss up. That that rivalry is going to get competitive again. I'm looking forward to it. And I immensely hope that South Carolina is able to become the dominant force in that rivalry um, because I am I'm quite tired of Clemson. I'm blanking on their, the name of the rival, rivalry. Is it Gasparilla? No, that's is Florida. That, is it? Mm-hmm. Who's what is? It's gonna bug me. So we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what the name of that rivalry game is, and then we're going to talk about the NFL. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Tank Talks Football. We are going to be going for another 10 minutes here before Weagle Day starts at 5 p.m. Very exciting stuff. Make sure you're tuned in for the next 24. I know it's crazy. Don't ex- expect you guys to be insomniacs, but very exciting stuff going on for Weagle Day. A lot of cool things, especially like the late night hours. If you're just like, I don't know, hanging out with some buddies late tonight. It's a Thursday night. You know, you could be going yeah. out and doing something at the at the at the after party or at the pre party. Flip on Weagle because I think it's gonna be wildly entertaining for the next twenty four. It's a it's a fun night in general. I'll be getting a nice little nice little uh, jewelry on my finger. Getting ringed up, bro. You won the ship. <laughs> be one of the few Auburn uh, students to, or uh, to get a ring this year. <laughs> yeah, and except for the ones that we paid for. And, yeah, you know, got just as many rings as uh as our fo- as the football team here. <laughs> Birmingham Bowl runner-ups. Yeah, that trophy would still be really cool to have. I I wish we got the double cheek trophy. The double cheeked one. Yeah, dude, so here for it. <laughs> well, as we go through the NFL news, uh, there have been two big headlines to come out of this past week. I mentioned it earlier, and he'll be coming up. Stephon Gilmore <laughs> signing with the Colts. Uh, really thought he was gonna go to the Rams. A lot of a lot of heat yeah. going there. But Colts are not a bad follow-up. You're uh, joining a lights-up defense. The Colts are going to, I mean, I guess that division's Indianapolis, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Houston. So it's a two-horse race in that division. Yes. Colts, if, the Colts oh, might surprise some people this if year. If the Titans can figure out what they're going to do with A.J. Brown. And they are in between spending the money to sign him or trading him. So it's in between deciding that you're going to continue to compete or blowing it up. Yep. Okay. And, and we're still wondering what's going on with Julio. I mean, he's he's cut, but <laughs> yeah, he's gone. But like, I don't know like where that's going to wind up on Titans note on the Titan note. I feel like at this point, you got to trade him. I mean, he's you've already like bashed him enough from like the people just saying that he's like a. People have been saying that he's like a egotistical like. like Julio. Lock, no, uh, AJ. AJ Brown. That doesn't surprise me. But like, here's the thing: players players can be selfish. When you put them in a league where they're making millions, then yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing. Whenever they're playing up to the standard, they can be cocky. Yeah. And sometimes and, it's not a bad thing. And as long as it's not a like toxic locker room presence, it's fine. The arrogance is completely fine. And A.J. Brown is not that. There's no, not a single player has came out and like bashed him. It's been nothing but the front office. That's because the front office wants to make him unappealing to other, other front offices. Because this is what the Titans do. I mean, sorry, Bark. I know that you're probably going to listen to this at some point, but man, I'll tell him to listen. In. What a what a toxic front office, man! Like, if even when you can compete, you don't want to spend the money or or go the extra mile to put your team over the edge. Give me a break. I think you sign. They sign, uh, Tannehill, then tag Henry. That's like telling me you have more faith in Tannehill to play than you do Henry. Derrick Henry, one of the most effective, if not the most effective, running back in the league. Probably the best running back in the league as Correct. well when he's healthy. And he's only been injured once. Yep. And uh, I don't know. Well, speaking of other wide receivers that are in a <laughs> turmoil with their uh, team's front office, Debo Samuel, the what they call him? Do it all, Debo. The spat back. Is that what yeah, spat back. I like do it all, Debo though. That is really cool. Uh, has announced he was requested a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. He's Atlanta Falcons bound. Jesus Christ, y'all are y'all are in tank mode. I don't. They're not going to get All right, Debo. he's Pittsburgh Steelers bound. God, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I don't know who can afford him. I mean, <clears throat> at least retention-wise. Well, I know a team that has a lot of cap space available. He's not going to Carolina. He's not going to go to Carolina at all, but we have a lot of cap space. I hate the rumors about him. him to the Jets. What a Le'Veon move that would be. <laughs> Le'Veon was actually defending him on Insta- or Twitter. No kidding. Yeah. That shocks me. And the Jets have their doors, uh, arms wide open for Debo to come on down. Debo and Zach Wilson, bro, that team's going to win five games. It's going to be lit. Hey, that's an improvement. It is. It's certainly an improvement. (laughs) 
but a big key here is the fact that San Francisco and uh, Kyle Shanahan, is that his name? I yeah. I can never remember his name. Uh, former Bama offensive coordinator. Uh, has decided that they don't want to have him as a primary receiver. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. <laughs> Name another receiver on the 49ers. Go fish. <laughs> and they let Raheem Mostert leave, the running back, who was the fastest guy. I mean, game. I think the Niners are bowing out, right? Yeah. I, they don't even know who they're going to do at quarterback. I mean, the NFC West is another two two pony race. Uh, well, yeah. LA and Arizona. If Arizona barring. If Kyler Murray retention. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Man, that West Coast stuff, man. I don't know what they're, what's in the water out there. but You think the amount of money that those cities have over there, they can afford players. Especially like in a San Francisco Bay Area. You have a player who'd probably rather play for the Jets than play for your organization because they would actually like utilize him as a receiver, which he yeah. is. Go to the G-men. Go to the Giants. Isn't it hard to believe that a, that a player on a football team doesn't want to play for way more snaps than his body wants him to? No. Yeah, you know, it's nothing wrong with like twenty catches and twenty carries a game. You know, that's only like killing you. Uh, I, you know, he's young, young, and received a lot of targets uh, per game, r- rushing attempts per game. Uh, that sounds like a thirty-year-old retirement. I mean, what if he just wants to win a bowl? Then he goes to the Jets. <laughs> Send him to, to New York, but send him to the Giants. Get Danny Dimes some help. Danny Dimes has a lot of help. Okay. He is one of the most if, – if I know it's a terrible analogy, but going off like Madden in general, that is a wide receiver core that you want. Yeah. Yeah, but you can use Debo in a lot of different places. They have other needs. They certainly do. <laughs> Namingly a football team. Namingly those five guys that are supposed to be protecting their running back and quarterback that just don't do that. Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of that game plan before. What's, uh, what's, uh, what's an old lineman? I live in Auburn, Alabama. I'm not familiar with this terminology of which you speak. Wait, you can you can pass block. Dude, you gave me a layup there. <laughs> that was well, an alley-oop. <laughs> Well, with the last few minutes, we're gonna talk about the USFL a little bit. Recap the season or recap the first week. I know the Stallions won. That's it. Stallions won, and like a crazy ending game because nine points is not an unwinnable game or whatever. <laughs> I I don't know. It was a uh, per Jake Gonzalez. It was a very fun uh, first quarter to watch, and it was then very boring for the next two. Yeah, because uh, it just seemed very. It was gross football. It was just offenses it's just could not get anything good. It's a spin-off semi-pro league. It is. Plus, these teams didn't have a lot of time to, like, practice. These are teams that are, like, thrown together within, like, a month. You're talking about practice. I'm talking about practice. Yeah, uh, I'm here to play school. But the Stallions did win 28-24 on a last-second touchdown run by Jamar Smith. Which was, was lit. Was oh, I did watch the, the, the I did watch the highlights. Uh, I will not. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest right now. Playoff basketball, man. I'm I'm watching the Hawks right now until they're inevitably swept by the Heat, and then maybe oh, so I'll, like what two more games? Yeah, we got two more. One uh, one should be nine. Gosh dang it! <laughs> and then you have plenty of time to watch USFL. Great. <laughs> Another game that happened: uh, Michigan Panthers lost to the Houston Gamblers, seventeen to twelve. My big key from this game is the fact that Shea Patterson peaked at Ole Miss. Yeah, I saw that tweet. You you were. Not holding back on the Twitterverse during that during during the football games on Saturday, you were you were active online, as the kids say. I was very much active online. <laughs> God, I, Dylan was mad on the internet. I have Shea Patterson annoys me so much, especially when people only consider him to be a Michigan quarterback when he played better at Ole Miss. Michigan quarterback. He just finished his career at Michigan. Michigan. And he did nothing at there. Keyword Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Uh, my third game, New Orleans Breakers beat the Philadelphia Stars in the mascot well, game. Duh. <laughs> duh. I could have looked at this matchup and told you that. From what? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Sal Canella played in this game, though. Awesome. He had, like, five catches. Cool. They were all out routes, by the way. That does not surprise <laughs> me a little bit. Gosh dang it. <laughs> see I hate you, it here. See why you have to watch these games, man? <laughs> Sal Canella eight yard out routes. Dude, plus quarterback, the player of the game for that game was Kyle Sloter, like a nine year NFL vet, man. Jesus Lord, perennial backup. 
Awesome. I love spring Perennial back up to the back. So here's the thing. I love the XFL. Yes. And I immensely am immensely looking forward to the XFL returning in 2023 and effectively putting the USFL back out of business for the second time. Or, hear me out. Super League. We have two football leagues to watch. No. (laughs) I'm all for it. Absolutely not. I'm hearing daily football is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing just wait for the fall and watch Maction. Well, see, that's the beauty of it. Maction's like... We get two seasons worth of football. Maction's bad, good football. Good, Plus, bad football. Actually, it'll be three leagues. The FCFL's going on right now. I just don't have the time to talk about that one as well. Can I interest you in the Canadian Football League? No. <laughs> I try to watch Canadian have Football League. Have you considered League. Australian Football League? I tried watching Canadian Football League. No. I was, Big Saskatchewan Rough Riders guy. I do like the Rough Riders if I was to pick a team. But did you ever watch a Johnny Menzel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did like, what, six picks? Yeah, it was awesome. It was electric. And Not uh, as good as the when he played for the Zaps in the fan controlled football league. So Tar, there are there are two cities, right, that you uh you claim, Atlanta and And Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh is pretty bad at USFL football, by the way. Awesome. Great. Well that's wonderful. Someone in the city of, of Pittsburgh's <laughs> gotta learn how to lose a football game because nobody else has in the past year. Well, Pitt. If you want to count college football. I was throwing Pitt in there. Oh, I wasn't uh, paying attention. Pitt's I a was, good ball team. Really laughing. This is the one game I didn't watch because it got canceled, and it was on a Monday, so I didn't have time to watch it. But Pitt, Pittsburgh lost 17th. I care. <laughs> this is my show. <laughs> Tank talk football, man. Tank talks USFL. Uh, yeah. Keep watching the USFL. I did not do a pick on for this week because – It's also 158 it's because also I've complained so. about the USFL for five minutes. You did complain about the USFL for a long time. But with that being said – we have one show left of Tank Talks Football. Uno mas. Uno mas. And it's going to be a fun one. I'd almost request two hours if I could, because that's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about. Do you have anybody behind you? I don't think so. Do it. Plus, NFL Draft coming up in a week. And next week's show will be your last show on your 22nd birthday. Exactly. My birthday, draft day, Cringe. last show, what? Mike Cry. <laughs> that being said, thank you, Tar, for showing up for the last, like, 15 minutes it was a blast thanks for uh, thanks for accommodating me and maybe greg will be happy that we are late to class yet again it'll be fine that being said we'll see you guys next week thanks for listening if you missed any part of the show make sure to catch the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts i'll be back next wednesday at noon on week 191.1 fm You can follow the station's Twitter and Instagram at Weagle underscore AU for events, announcements, and more. If you can't make it to a radio, you can listen to our live stream at WeagleFM.com. As for me, come back next Wednesday at noon for more Tank Talks football.